What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The big game draw results are coming out here in Colorado, and while I struck out the season so far, I'm still holding out hope for the second draw and maybe some over-the-counter tags. And that means I'm going to be looking for some new hunting gear here very soon. And you probably should be too. Head on over to mountainrain.com and use promo code 12hike to get 10% off your entire order. Now this promo code is only good until the end of the month, so you've only got a few days. Make sure you take advantage of it. They've got all the greatest uh, camouflage, packs, boots, you name it, they've got it. And they're not charging you premium prices like other retailers. They're bringing you premium outdoor gear at a much less expensive price. So again, that's Mountain Rain, M-T-N-R-E-I-G-N.com, and use promo code 12hike to get 10% off your entire order. Welcome to the 12 Hike Podcast, where we don't care what you do as long as it's outdoors. I'm Zach Jenkins. Thanks for listening. The month of May is almost over, and we are going to be heading into June here very soon. Uh, Real quick, that means our one-year podcast anniversary is coming up. We're going to be doing some fun stuff like giveaways and some special content, so stay tuned for that. But today's episode uh, deals with something that I'm not very acquainted with, but I'm fascinated by, and that is ultra sports. So people that uh, do triathlons, the Ironman competitions... And then uh, ultra running, like over 100 miles kind of stuff. And today's guest has done all of that. And on top of that, she's also writing a book. Uh, Jennifer popped up on my Instagram feed, and I saw everything that she was doing, and I knew that I had to check her out. In today's episode, we talk about her experiences with ultra sports. And on top of that, we're going to talk about her book, Go Far. And she's going to talk about how endurance sports can help you win at life. And that's from uh, preparing yourself mentally for difficult tasks, pushing boundaries, and having what it takes to see uh, tasks through their completion. And that's by, you know, building blocks, little steps at a time, setting achievable goals. And that's how she trains for ultra sports. You don't just go out and run 100 miles. You build it, build your body up to that. It takes time. And that's what she really likes to talk about. You can follow her on Instagram at Jen Strong McCon. That's J E N S T R O N G M C C O N. And her book is actually now available, so you can pop online and uh, go ahead and order it. Okay, so I was perusing through Instagram and yeah. I came across your page somehow. I don't know how I did it. And uh, 
I saw that you are an ultra runner, mountaineer, you're writing a book, and I kind of thought, well, heck, I, I got to have someone like you on the podcast because that's a lot of stuff to do. <laughs> it is, it is, and it was so fun to connect with you online. It's so fun how that happens. I, I don't know how we connected either, but it was great. I love that you're focused on all things outdoors, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we somehow connected on, on the internet. <laughs> the internet is a strange place. I haven't figured it out yet. I'm getting close, but uh, before we get into all of the stuff you do now, uh, if you wouldn't mind getting a little bit of background information, like where you grew up, uh, have you always been outdoors, stuff like that? Sure, yeah. Well, I'm in Wichita, Kansas, um, so not too far away from you in Colorado. And uh, I actually grew up, uh, my family always went to Colorado. We went backpacking and hiking and, and when I was really young, camping uh, and campgrounds. And so Colorado is kind of, for us Kansans, that's always where we would go locally to kind of escape and our, our summer vacations always started at Colorado. So definitely kind of had that mountain, outdoors, wilderness, backcountry uh, instilled in me from an early age. I think I, I first spent the night in a tent at nine months old. Oh. So I, <laughs> I've yet to do that with my kids, but we're working on it. We kind of got thrown off this last year with coronavirus and everything. We had we stayed put a little bit more, but they have some tent, tent nights in their future. So. Yeah, that's we, same way. We had a whole summer full of camping planned out, and then corona just kind of yeah. ruined all of that. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully this summer we can all I'll get out a little bit more. Oh yeah, we've already got a we've got a vacation plan. We're going to go down to uh, Lake Powell in Arizona. Are you really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, it's so beautiful. I I actually did a Buckskin Gulch. It's a canyoneering hike down in that area. Mm -hmm. I got to visit and have dinner on Lake Powell, and I've always thought about going and doing like a houseboat trip and supboarding in and around all of the beautiful little inlets and canyons. So it's a such a beautiful area. <laughs> the thing that we really enjoyed was the, uh, it, there's something called the Colorado River Discovery. It's a, oh, yeah, we yeah. did the, the rafting trip down the Colorado yeah. River and it was great. We loved it. I definitely have that on my to-do list. So I love water. I love rivers. So yeah, when the kids get a little bit older, we're, we want to do a rafting, like a, like a backcountry several days rafting trip. Yeah, uh, we're not quite that intense. We're going to dial it back. We're like the lazy river people. Oh yeah, but that's fun too. You, you need you need a little bit of both. You got to have the relaxing time and the intense time. Absolutely. Growing up, obviously, you you loved being outdoors and being in the mountains. Uh, in school, were you the athletic type? Were you doing um, like the long distance running and stuff then? I, I absolutely was. Um, I grew up always being outdoors as a child. We were kind of kids in the neighborhood. We were free range kids before that was a term. We lived really close to a river and we were always running around and playing and um, kind of exploring and jumping fences. And uh, my dad got me into sports really early. He actually has a physical education background. And so he kind of took that approach of always uh, learning how to hop and jump. And we would set up obstacle courses in our backyard. Um, we had a trampoline and a tightrope and a gymnastics horse and all kinds of just crazy fun stuff. Um, so run around on scooters and kind of find things and use things. And so I kind of had that as a young child. And then I ran my first run, my first uh, competition when I was seven. And I've been running ever since. 
Um, and that kind of, after doing a lot of local runs on weekends, we'd go and do 5Ks and two mile races in all the little towns around Wichita. And uh, then I did track and I really got into doing uh, Iron Kids triathlons. So I was a triathlon kid and we didn't just do that in Wichita. We actually traveled around the entire Midwest, um, Iowa, Colorado, Texas, doing triathlons. Um, so every summer I would compete in, you know, five to 10 different races. And uh, that was a great way because I, I was a runner and then I loved the water and I loved swimming. So I started doing competitive swimming uh, when I was seven, eight years old too. And uh, just had to kind of throw in that biking. It's always, I like biking, but it's always been my, my weakest link of the triathlon. <laughs> trifecta. Um, so I, I did all of that as a kid and uh, in middle school, did, you know, still did competitive swimming year round, did track. And then in, in high school, I ran cross country. Uh, I, I added in a little bit of soccer uh, just to try out team sports and I did okay because I could run. Uh, I always swam competitively. I, I liked to do dance as well. And then I actually um, was a division one collegiate athlete. I walked onto the Kansas State rowing team because uh, again, I grew up on that river and I saw people rowing and I thought, you know what? I've done this running and swimming and triathlon thing for a good 10 years. I'm ready to try something new and get on the water. And so I, I learned a whole new sport in college. And then I kind of took all those things after college. And that's how I got into uh, the ultra running. And, uh, you know, the mountaineering was kind of in my background as a young child. And um, I actually hiked my first 14er in Colorado when I was 14 uh, with some Mount Yale with some my dad and uh, some best friends, um, my one of my best friends and her dad. Uh, we all went and did that. And uh, that was our uh, overnight backpacking. I, at the time, I loved macaroni and cheese, and I think that my dad ruined that for me for a good 10 years. <laughs> Outdoor camping food is supposed to be good, but uh, sometimes <laughs> that goes south. <laughs> you just ran down a whole list of sports that I think most people would consider kind of obscure. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my high school cross country and track was a pretty big thing. We didn't have a, if we did have a swim team, there may have been three or four people on it. Yeah. Uh, we didn't do triathlons at our school. Was that something that was like big right there in the Wichita area or just something that your dad got you into? I think it was, um, you know, the 90s triathlon kind of kind of blew up and it got big. You know, it started uh, in Hawaii in the 70s and 80s and it kind of grew. And in but the 90s, um, my dad and all of his friends and all of our swimming friends, all the kind of adults would go and do triathlons and all the kids were doing them as well. And so we, we had a club team that we swam with. And so that was just kind of the thing that you did uh, because we all knew that we could swim. And so uh, these Iron Kid triathlons, um, they would tour uh, around the Midwest and in Texas and have championships. Um, so it, it was kind of, a, I feel like I'm like a uniquely 90s kid because um, I really grew up in that. That was what we did. Like right now, um, I'm, I'm not sure what I would say the most popular sport was is right now, but it, it was kind of just a thing that you did as a kid in the 90s if you were, if you were remotely athletic. Um, I mean, I, I, everyone, like my cousin tried one, you know, she, she wasn't a swimmer or runner 
her, but she, you know, she got a bike and she did it just because that was what we were doing at the time. And I happened to just, my dad uh, kind of took me to the next level with that. Um, instead of just, oh, wait, we're, it's in town this weekend in May, let's go show up and do it. A lot of people would do that, but we, we really did travel and we did kind of the whole circuit. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I learned a lot. I learned how to compete and that set me up for middle school sports and then high school sports um, is a great way to kind of get, get into that. Um, and, and really excel and, and, and then take that as an adult. Um, and that's kind of uh, what my, the message of my book is, uh, one of many is that we were all athletic as kids. We liked to run, we liked to be outside and that doesn't have to stop as you become an adult and you don't have to go run an ultra marathon or climb a seven summit you can go out and find your own what what is your ultra marathon it, it might just be uh riding your bike to the local park or uh learning learning uh, a new swim stroke or something my kids had swim lessons this morning so they're starting they're starting that so we, we you can start at the beginning and, and kind of find your own um ultra or distance or endurance whatever is is the right fit for you I want to follow that vein of thought, but real quick, uh, rowing. I've heard that it's one of the most physically intense sports you can get into. Is that true? Oh yeah. It's very challenging and in a totally different way. Um, it, it's a great full body workout and you know, I, I like to thank rowing for teaching me how to get up early. Uh, I, I feel like I've, I've always gotten up early, but when I rode in college, I mean, that was that was the next level of getting up early. And I, it, it honestly prepared me for the alpine start of mountaineering. And alpine start is like when you get up at midnight and start mm -hmm. climbing at midnight. Um, so I have my good old rowing background to thank for that. Um, <laughs> And it turns out I wasn't all that great at rowing. Uh, I'm, I'm shorter, so I just wasn't as powerful as some of the taller, taller girls. Uh, so I decided after I rowed, uh, I took those paddling skills and I used those for fun kayaking and subboarding when that came out um, and just kind of doing a lot of paddling on my own. But after rowing, I actually went back and started doing more triathlons and I got into adventure racing. Um, again, that was the early 2000s and adventure racing was having a, a hot moment uh, right after the eco challenge that was big again, like in the in the late 90s. Um, and I had seen that and I thought, oh, that's so amazing. And there were a lot of endurance. Uh, adventure races um, that were like shorter distances um, that I could do locally. And, and I kind of did a lot in the South and Georgia and Louisiana and Oklahoma. Um, and so I started kind of transitioned from the rowing. Uh, it got back to these sports that I felt like I was a little uh, better at, uh, <laughs> more naturally suited to, I guess. Sure. Uh, I didn't have quite as much power as I wanted to have in rowing as far as, you know, the total body uh, strength to weight height ratio kind of thing um so yeah I, I also got to participate in in those uh adventure races and i started out doing a couple hour ones and built up and built up and i eventually did a 24 hour one and then multi-day ones as well so i can't say i grew up doing any of those things <laughs> but uh i i too i guess i'm a, I'm a 90s kid I, I graduated in 04 okay, um, all right. but we spent a lot of time outside too now our, our outside wasn't uh, cross, cross country running or, uh, triathlons. We didn't do that stuff. We just went out behind my mom and dad's house and, and played in the woods and experienced yes. nature yes. that I agree with you that that is something that, um, has been lost here recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, the best I can come up with is it's due to technology. I mean, yeah, kids don't want to go outside anymore. It's yeah. boring. 
right? <laughs> you have to work. You have to really work. And, and that's kind of what I love about it. I do with my children. We go outside every day um, and we have to find things to do. Um, but there's a lot. You just have to be creative. Like we hunt for bugs. Uh, we have a little bug collection. We, we discover uh, flora and fauna. Uh, we look at the sky. We, we make things up. And so that creativity aspect of it, I think it's so important. But you do have to work at it. It's a lot harder than just pushing play on the endless amounts of content. I think that like even just watching TV, children aren't learning like okay you watch your 30 minute show and then it's over and that's all there is today you can watch like five 30 minute shows back to back and it's hard it's hard to like stop and go outside and work for your entertainment but i think it's something we have to teach kids you know i take that for granted we used to have to wait a whole week to watch the next episode of a show yeah Yeah, or at least till the next day at the very (laughs) least we were waiting 24 hours so (laughs) it's kind of like a self-control uh Thing that we have to teach our kids a little bit more than we had to so it'll be interesting and you mentioned your book earlier let's go ahead and we'll, we'll flesh that out uh kind of reading the synopsis of your book it hasn't came out yet right it's coming soon right, right. It's um, coming soon. it to me it was uh kind of a rundown of of how doing these difficult sports helps you kind of gain a sense of what you really are as a person uh is that close to kind of what you were trying to get through with the book? Absolutely. Yes. The book is called Go Far, How Endurance Sports Can Help You Win at Life. And it comes out September 28th, uh, but you can pre-order it right now. Um, It's available for pre-order. My website's kind of where anybody can go, just an easy, quick reference point, jenniferstrongmacon.com. I have a long last name, so it's a shorter version. And then um, you can look for the book on Amazon, Target, Penguin Random House, Barnes and Noble. So you can pre-order it anytime now. Um, I don't have a, a cover yet, and I'm still working through that publication process with my publisher. Um, but I'm going to be uh, sharing some of that. So if you, I've always been curious about, well, how does this come come to happen? It's a long process, and it's an interesting process to go the traditional publishing route. So you can follow along on Instagram and kind of see, and we'll have a big cover reveal um, because I don't know what it's going to look like either. So I'm following along as well on the journey. So, um, but I I have written the book and um, it it just is kind of, um, it's a self-help memoir. So it's a story of all of these exciting, fun things that I've done. Um, All of my friends and family have always said, you should write a book. And I've always wanted to do that, but I wanted it to, I wanted to give people something to take away as well. I didn't want to just talk about all these things that I did. Um, So that's where sort of the self-help angle comes in as like, how can this endurance mindset that I've learned traveling around the world and swimming and mountaineering and climbing and hiking and running, how can this mindset help us in our everyday life? Um, And so I kind of address like these three different pillars that I have learned and gained from participating in endurance sports and ultras and how those pillars, uh, you can use those in your own life. And again, you don't have to be a crazy runner. Uh, You can still use those pillars. Um, I kind of apply it to like my business life as well. And now maybe even raising kids, you can kind of use those tactics um, if you're interested in the outdoors and adventure and just sort of like how to get out, how to like live a little bit differently than the mainstream. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here, uh, you know, with, with our Facebook page and our, our podcast, 12 Hike, is letting people know that, yes, there are people out there like you that are elite-level athletes that really push their bodies to the, to the extreme, 
but you don't have to do those kinds of things to enjoy nature. Um, exactly. You mentioned going to a park. That mm -hmm. that's taking a hike. You're getting out. Oh. You're getting active. Uh, yeah. Don't I, I think people kind of look down their nose at stuff like that because it's not what you think of as adventure. Mm -hmm. And for someone like you, you've lived an adventurous life. <laughs> uh, you've been all over the world. Uh, you're tackling the seven summits, which I don't know if a lot of people know what the seven summits are, but I do. I think mountaineering is fascinating. It is. It, it is. And it's a, a lot, so much more to learn all the time. How many of the seven summits have you done? I have done three. Um, and my dad has done an additional one and gone to the North and South Poles. Um, and so my dad is kind of the one um, who got, got me into mountaineering. Um, when I was in college, um, he uh, was talking about climbing this mountain in Africa, Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why, why, why do you want to go to Africa and climb a mountain? Like, why don't we just go on a safari? <laughs> like, I had always wanted to go. As a, as a child, I studied maps and geography, and we had globes, and that was sort of a part of our, our life and our culture, um, is, is studying the world and learning about the world through books and experiences and travels and stories and TV and movies. And so I've kind of incorporated a lot of that into the book and then how I also parent. Um, but my dad, here he was taking it kind of to the next level. And, and I thought that he was crazy, but he had reached um, his 50s and he knew that if he wanted to live out his young explorer dreams, uh, he always looked up to the great explorers of the world, Magellan and uh, the conquistadors, uh, aside from, you know, the conquering native people kind of thing, but the exploring aspect, sure. uh, something that we took. Uh, with us. And so he realized that he had to start doing this stuff. And so I'm in college kind of watching, kind of thinking, wow, he's crazy. But <laughs> as I got older and started my professional life at a desk job, I kind of got that itch of like, there is more out there that I want to experience. I was reading the classics and uh, doing a lot of stuff online. And I'm like, I want to go to Africa and climb Mount Kilimanjaro too. Like, I don't want to just go and be a tourist and travel and go on safari. I want to conquer a seven summit, learn about the history, learn about the culture, push my boundaries, try something totally new. Um, Colorado 14ers aren't easy by any means, but they're more of a hike. In order to do a seven summit, these are the seven tallest mountains on each continent, um, seven continents, the tallest summit on each continent in the world. Um, you kind of have to learn next level skills. You have to learn a layering system and have down puffer jackets and coats. And you have to learn how to fuel your body at higher altitude and how you're going to stay hydrated, how you're going to go to the bathroom, uh, all those kinds of skills that you have to kind of learn to do that are different than just what I would call hiking or backpacking um, uh, in, in the United States, um, in the lower United States, kind sure. of what we there definitely are some higher technical mountains, but, uh, you know, conquering that that sort of next level summit was something that I learned about, read about, and kind of started to think, and I talk about this in the book, this sort of like, how do you get from like, here's an idea, and then I start to think about it and learn about it and process it and decide that, hey, I think that I might be able to do this if I work really hard and train and learn and study. Um, and so Mount Kilimanjaro is a great first seven summit for a lot of people to do. It's a great way to go to Africa and get that whole African experience. Um, I could just go on about that for the whole podcast. Um, but then that kind of set me up to kind of start there and then start uh, climbing some additional, um, additional mountains as well. So 
Does, I can keep talking or we can... Oh, we can... no, no. I, we're going to keep talking about mountaineering a little bit. Does the thought of climbing Everest scare you? Because to me, it, it would be an amazing experience to be on top of the world. But Everest, I've seen so much and read so much about it, scares me to death. <laughs> oh, absolutely. My mom and I like begged my dad, please don't go do that. When he first got into it, we were all worried he was going to. And, you know, it's been 20 years since then. And I think the commercialization of it has gotten really scary. And, and part of this mountaineering is that you want to go into the wild. You want to go into the wilderness and sort of how Everest has become, it doesn't, it, it's of course still very wild um, and scary and you have to have oxygen and lots of layers and it's freezing. Um, but the commercialization of it and, and we've all seen the photos of the long lines and sort of the, the ego involved in climbing that. Um, I've kind of stayed away from, from some of that because I, I never want it to be about ego or what I can do or can I conquer the mountain? I would never imagine doing that because it, the whole point is like, let's be in nature. Let's appreciate it. Yeah, let's push ourselves and challenge ourselves, but let's do it safely and respectfully while still um, kind of being in awe of, na of nature and the power around us, especially in big mountains. Sure. The lines uh, are very fascinating, but also just the amount of pollution that's up there, you know, discarded yeah. items, tanks. And I think here recently there's been a big push to bring that stuff off the mountain. Yes. Yeah. I, I think that I, I, I haven't ever considered it. I, I honestly don't feel like I'm, I guess I could train for it, but you know, like I, you know, there's still the, even though I've done a lot of that stuff, I still feel like, Oh wow, that's, that's really high up there. I don't know if I could do that. But again, I, I do kind of talk about that a feeling in the book of like, how, how do you conquer that? How do you say, I don't know if I could do that. And then I kind of give you some steps of how I have done that for things like running a hundred miles. I used to think that running a hundred miles was insane and I would never be able to do it nor want to do it kind of the same way with a marathon, but um, you have to start somewhere. And once you kind of go through that process, you, you learn that you might be able to do it and how to do it. Well, for someone like you, you've been engaged in that type of activity since you were in elementary school. So for someone like you, I'd imagine, you know, those building blocks leading up to 100 miles is very logical and makes sense. For someone like me that has never done anything close to, I've never ran a half K or anything like that. Uh, what are some steps or some advice you would give to people that maybe have that as a goal in their life when they're starting off in their 20s or 30s? How, how would you even begin to tackle a goal like that? Well, I think it, it's so important to have goals in life, um, have goals in your work life, in your personal life, in your parenting life, and in, in your outdoor life. So maybe your goal is to like, kind of like, kind of like the 12 hike. I love the concept of that. I love taking uh, a weekend aside, a Saturday aside each month and just going out. And so starting small, what, what can you do? Um, I have a Siberian Husky dog. And so one thing that we do every day is we go on a walk. Uh, people that own Huskies out there know that uh, they're crazy and they have to be exercised. And so uh, we have made that a point of Fritz's daily routine. Um, 
if it's freezing, if it's hot, we if it's hot, we get up and go in the morning and get in the sprinklers afterwards. If it's freezing, I go at night after the kids are in bed. Uh, I put on all my all that mountaineering gear comes in really handy uh, to walk that Siberian husky. Um, and so maybe that's what you start with is you start on going a walk uh, around the block every day. And then maybe you start uh, running, running. We have a, a circular neighborhood. So kind of like a track, you you run the curves and walk the straights. And so you build up, maybe you want to walk a mile or run a mile. And so you start small and you start with a manageable amount of what, what can you do? Um, and so whatever your goals are, you figure out, well, you know, I, I might have a really long to-do list and I've really had to learn this with kids. I might have a, a list of 10 things to do. Well, I, I'm not going to get all 10 of those done. Like it's just not going to happen, but I could maybe do one or two of them. If I get up early or stay up late or work over nap time or, or something like that. And that's just kind of an everyday example of trying to strategize and find a way uh, to do something, even if it's starting small and to build up and to learn and to study and progressively get better. And I, that's what I love about goals is that um, you can challenge yourself and you can get better um, and you can get better in, in more ways than just being physically able to uh, do a daunting task. Hopefully you're also growing mentally, emotionally, spiritually as well. And, and I talk about that a lot in the book. And that's kind of something that you gain from participating in endurance sports. And again, I, my endurance sports might be different than your endurance sports uh, for someone just starting out. And so that is up ultimately to, to you to decide what that means to you. So for you, what was the point in which you stopped running like the uh, the marathons and went, okay, I want to set a goal of doing an ultra marathon. What possessed you to have that crazy thought? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, uh, funny enough, I ran my first marathon, and then a month later, I ran my first ultra. So I kind of jumped right in. <laughs> okay, David Goggins. <laughs> yeah, um, but honestly, um, I am jealous of people who one day, like, woke up in their 20s and went out for a run and, like, were really good at it. Uh, because I have been a runner my entire life, and I've always just kind of been okay at it. Um, and that's a, another point of, of my book is that I'm just an average person. Um, I, and I, 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 I have this endurance mindset and I share a little bit about that. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super elite. I've never felt like one of those super like skinny, lean, crazy runners. I've always just been a, a normal person who just happened to be able to go out 
and uh, I'll kind of apply my life approach um, and be able to do these things. Um, and so it, I always have kind of struggled with like, I've always been a runner, but like, I don't feel like a traditional typical runner because a lot of slow twitch muscles. I'm not like super fast, but like I have found a way to somehow keep running. Uh, I ran through two pregnancies and two postpartums that in itself feels like a, a new version of like ultra running just to get through that. <laughs> So you just you find you find a way with what you can do, um, and so being a, being a runner my whole life, um, I always knew that I wanted to run a marathon. And so uh, luckily, my dad had done a lot of marathons, and so I, I went to him and I said, "Hey, I, I wanted I'm turning 26 next year. I've always wanted to do a marathon when I turn 26 because I'm really into this like." Uh, I'd love to match. So 26.2 miles for a marathon. My dad did one when he was 26 and I decided I was going to do one when I was 26. Um, and kind of before that, I had just focused more on like 10Ks and trail running and, and uh, uh, you know, maybe a 15 mile or a half marathon here and there. But like I had never taken the jump because I was doing shorter distances, faster, uh, faster running. Um, and so kind of I learned how to do endurance. Um, and my dad, who had really been doing ultras since the early 90s, uh, kind of before they were mainstream. Mainstream. I'd say right now, uh, the last few years, they've kind of hit mainstream. Uh, but my dad and some friends had kind of been doing them since early 90s, going down to Texas and doing some of these ultra trail runs. Um, and so I, I was training with him for my first marathon. And he said, you know what, we should just do a 50k because uh, we're already trained. So a lot of people, they'll run a marathon and then they'll stop. They'll just stop running. And so you have worked so hard, uh, but you're sort of like shattered and scarred. And then you stop and you lose all that fitness. Um, and so we just we just kept running. Uh, I, you know, took a couple of days off and then just kind of kept that volume training up and then jumped into a, a 50K, um, which is 31 miles. So, you know, not a whole lot farther than a marathon. But mm -hmm. uh, those big city marathons, lots of people, lots of promotion, lots of, you know, track my run, sponsors, expos, all of that. Uh, the trail running ultra at the time was like the complete opposite of that. I was in Frankenstein, Missouri on Halloween weekend, oh uh, <laughs> and, uh, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, running, uh, running on dirt roads. And for me, just kind of being an outdoor person, like that resonated with me a lot more than uh, this crazy big city marathon, which if you're a runner, you have to do, you should experience it. But for me, I like to kind of be uh, a little bit more uh, alone in the wilderness uh, and quiet, uh, quiet, quiet solitude, uh, just kind of something on the edge, something on the cutting edge that's not quite, everyone's not doing quite yet. And, uh, you know, there's nowhere to go celebrate. There's no big city celebration afterwards. You have to stop at the, stop at the local convenience store and find something, <laughs> find, find some Gatorade or some chips or something. And that that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, more obscure idea. So it sounds like what you've tapped into is a, is a way to overcome the, the the physical deficit of not being a good runner. Uh, you've you've tapped into this mentality of I can do these things, and that's why I think that's what separates really successful people from not as successful people. You can see it all the time. Like uh, I've listened to a couple of people talk about uh, military training. So you'll have these people that come into the military that are physically fit, can do all the things. But where they break down is, is the mentality part. They get so stressed that they shut down. They can't do those things. Yeah. Is that more important to being physically able to do it? I think so. And, and it's so interesting. I'm so fascinated by that. I, I love hearing stories. And I've, I've read a couple of uh, 
fiction, nonfiction works on, on, on military, uh, how, how that works and how, how do you do that? It's, it's so fascinating to me. Um, and I, I'm not going to claim to have all the answers, but I do th think that the mind is much stronger than the body. Um, and so it does start with, with having a can-do attitude. And I, I don't want to keep talking about the book, but I did write a book about all of this. Uh, and, hey, like, you talk about the book all you want. <laughs> and that, that can-do attitude, um, and that, that's what's going to get you through it. And again, you might not be able to go out and run 26 miles, but what can you do? Maybe you can run the curves of your neighborhood or just walk, or maybe you don't want to run at all. Maybe you just want to start swimming or uh, get a, get a paddleboard and start there. Uh, it doesn't, you don't have to do, I, I, I particularly like endurance sports. Uh, I like the endorphin high. <laughs> uh, I like uh, having uh, team sports are great, but having that individual sport, I like uh, kind of having only yourself to rely on and that makes you really tough and strong. Um, and, and tapping into, uh, there's a lot of time to be alone and a lot of quiet time and you have to be really strong mentally. Um, but you know, I, even with my two children now, I, I'm tapping into a lot of that and I, I don't always do a great job, <laughs> but I, I feel like it's, we're always pushed and we're always learning and it's definitely a challenge. I think what's important as you mentioned earlier is one, setting goals for yourself and actually working to reach them. Because once you reach your goals, you kind of build that self-esteem. And it's just like a snowball. The more you do, the more confident you feel that you can achieve those things. And then for me, it's uh, setting realistic goals is the mm -hmm. problem. So I've got two boys. They're four and six. And in my mind, I want to take them out on a hike. But I want to do like a two or three mile hike. They cannot do that. Because yeah. one mile in... They're laying on the ground saying, dad, my legs don't work. And then I end up packing them back out and right. it's, it's not enjoyable for any right. of us. Right. And I think a lot of people get hung up on just shooting for the stars and not even hitting anything. And, and it's important to, to start small. Like you don't have to, uh, go, go find us a, a short trail. And I mean, hike, hike around in a loop or something. Um, it, it, because a lot of people make this mistake when they want to go run. And my husband, for example, he has a lot of fast switch muscles. He was, he played football and he was a sprinter and a power lifter. And he goes out and just kills it and goes really fast. And that's worked great for him, but it's not necessarily sustainable as, as, as you grow up and as, as you change and your needs change and your time and your constraints and your family situations changes. So trying to find off, you don't have to climb the whole mountain. You can break things up into chunks. You can start small and get your skills down, get your system. I'm like obsessed with systems right now um, because we want, we have a little beach hike planned. It's not far away. It's close to our house. Yes, I do live in Kansas and yes, I know where to go beach hiking. It's <laughs> um, and, and so we have a, a just a, it's a, you know, a couple of our little uh, adventure that we can go on and it doesn't have to be an all day thing. We don't have to spend the night. We don't have to drive to Colorado. Like we want to do that, mm -hmm. but we're going to start and we're going to get our systems down and do something that's close to home. That's manageable. I'm not going to say easy because it's never easy, but something that we can just uh, start off. What can we do? And then we can build. And so that you, you don't have one of those situations where you are completely overwhelmed. And I remember being that kid that felt like they couldn't hike anymore. Like I hated hiking as a kid. And then I climbed some of the tallest mountains in the world. So <laughs> it gets better. 
Kind of. <laughs> For me, it's always a selfish thing. I'm the one that wants to go, like, to the, the lake reservoir that's two miles up this trail. Yes. I'm... I'm disregarding my kids for a brief minute. And then whenever they lay on the ground and kick and scream, I'm like, oh crap, I pushed them too far. I know it's hard. It's hard as a parent. It's hard because you want to do all these things. And sometimes they don't want to, they don't want to do them as well. So I don't know how, I don't know how old your kids are, but for me, I've had to realize that my needs just absolutely take a backseat to them. No matter what. Well, mine are, I have an almost two-year-old daughter and a six-month-old son. So I am, by, I'm, I'm talking like I'm a parenting expert. I need all the help I can get. <laughs> and I, I like hearing from older children. So we're just starting on that, that end of things. But I feel like that's kind of the next phase is that people said, oh, you have kids. Are you still going to do all of this? Absolutely. Because I didn't just run a marathon. I didn't just climb a mountain. I didn't just run an ultra marathon or two. This is a part of my culture. I have integrated the outdoors and adventure and creating experiences and these, these life approach, these three pillars that I, I have uh, in the story. That is a part of our everyday, how do I approach the day? How do I preach, approach the week? How do I approach the month as far as what we want to be, what we want to do as a family, what goals we want to have? So it doesn't, it's not just like, yeah, I had, I'm a mom now. I'm going to stop doing adventures. No way. Like it's about living an adventurous life overall. And again, that can be uh, taking the kids in an RV and going across the country and driving through Canada and being, uh, getting a boat and selling around the world. It could be that, or it can be, you know, packing everybody up in the Osprey and the Bajorn and uh, hiking over by the river a couple miles away on the trails. So big and small. I was going to ask you how you've been able to balance your family life and this extreme sports life because to me it would take so much time and effort to condition your body that it, that it almost has to become an obsession and, and i have always tried to be someone who is not just an athlete um those people are out there and 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 i don't think uh anybody wants to be one-dimensional or one-sided where i'm just a runner and that has been the great thing about multi-sport is that i um i've always been a multi-sport athlete uh running around the neighborhood as a kid playing on scooters playing on bikes playing on trikes climbing trees uh in today's language language parkour we were all running around doing parkour ah. Um, so that that multi-sport attitude starts as a kid and uh, I luckily got to be a triathlete and do that and then try uh, kayaking and rowing and canoeing and adventure racing and just and just continue to build and so I didn't have to be just a runner I didn't have to be just a swimmer I liked to try new things and I was able to try these different sports and integrate them in. And so one of the ways to do that, first of all, I have to do a shout out to my husband because he is a super supportive partner. Um, and I think that that's what it takes is, is you have to work as a team if you want to do family adventures uh, because it's a lot. And so that's one way is just finding a partner that, that shares your goals. Uh, and if, if you don't have the same goals coming up with some similar goals that you can work together on as a family so that you're each getting, even if it's just running errands, um, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but I promise it does relate. Uh, we like to say, okay, we're going to go run errands on a Saturday and we're going to go get an iced tea for me. We're going to get a snack for my husband. And then we're going to stop at the park for the kids while we run one or two other little, you know, uh, 
chore errands in between. So everybody has something that is fulfilling their own need. And so when you're building your family adventures, uh, you're doing that as well um, in building that in. Uh, so we really, it just comes down to uh, being creative so that everybody gets something that they want to do. And the, I think, again, this multi-sport, I don't have to go run every single day or I don't have to go run 10 miles every single day. I can run 10 miles when I have time on the weekend and I can run three miles during the week when I have less time. And then I can swim, I can bike, I can do the Peloton in the basement. I can do a weights class. I can do a yoga class. I can go get my new steel mace um, and work on the ability training in my backyard while the children nap. So it's all just about being creative. Um, and you know, if, if you can't leave the house, work out in your backyard. We have a really cool swing set uh, with a trapeze and rings. And so I just figured out fun things to do on the trapeze and rings while I'm playing outside with the kids. So yeah, I've seen some of that hanging upside down and whatnot. I would break my neck. <laughs> well, luckily I had, I had it as a kid. So I have that muscle memory deep down in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it sounds like you do a lot of... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Unique styles of workouts. You mentioned the mace. Those things have come into into fashion here lately, haven't they? Yeah, and I just kind of stumbled upon it. Again, I think I was on Instagram. I was doing, um, after I had my son uh, six months ago, once I could start working out again, um, and we were still kind of in quarantine. I wasn't going back to the gym. I didn't have time to really leave the house with two young kids. And so I started doing um, the 500 kettlebell swing challenge because I had uh, several different kettlebells. And I thought, you know what? I've always uh, done a certain style of weightlifting. I was like, I'm gonna try this because I can do it in my basement or my backyard. Uh, and yes, it was winter, but I could just put on some, a sweatshirt and go outside, mm -hmm. right? There is sure. no bad weather or only uh, inappropriate clothing, right? So disagree yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, after some of our winter blasts this this year. But, <laughs> Um, but anyway, so I, I was doing some kettlebell stuff and I found, I, I came across this steel mace for uh, mobility training is really hot right now. And I love mobility training because it goes so great with endurance sports, uh, because running and biking is a lot, it's a lot of pounding. It's a lot of repetitive movement, uh, swimming to repetitive movement. So doing some of that yoga, uh, this steel mace, which is kind of like a strength mobility training. Um, finding different ways to work the body that that gives you balance. Um, one of the one of the interesting things, kind of touching on mountaineering, I was actually taking adult ballet class while I was mountaineering training, um, because again, I don't want to be one dimensional. I was also training for a hundred mile ultra run at the same time. Um, trying to live a multi-dimensional life. And so you're not so obsessed 
with one thing and you're not only about climbing a mountain and to some extent to achieve a goal, you do have to zero in and narrow in on that. Um, but you're also an interesting person by kind of exploring your interest and following other passions and trying new things and integrating them in. And so you're not just doing one thing and you're not just a runner, uh, but you get to do all of these different things by being open-minded and creative and having a can-do, try-new-things attitude. What's interesting about the mountaineering and bouldering and things like that, those auxiliary activities, I think, tend to supplement how good you are at those other things. We'll take bouldering, for example. You've got to be pretty flexible to, oh, to do some of those. So doing yoga, plyometrics, those yeah. kinds of activities make you better at, at doing that activity. Absolutely. And even like, uh, even doing like a Zumba class, uh, again, running, like you're moving forward, like doing a little bit of side, like doing something, a lateral movement with your hips or, you know, the steel mace doing the mobility, all of that is just going to make you stronger and be able to support whatever that main tillered sport is. And it keeps it interesting. Like nobody wants to get up and run every single day. I, I'm a runner. I'm an ultra runner and I don't want to run every day. I want to throw in a Zumba class every now and then. I want to go do like water fitness. Uh, water X was one of the things I was into after I had my daughter. It was summertime. Um, and I started doing, a, the, you're, I, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, like weightlifting in the water. Oh no, I've heard a lot about that. Okay, good, good. Sometimes I kind of feel a little out there, but I like being a little out there. <laughs> <laughs> Over the years, how has your understanding of physical fitness changed? I know we've learned a lot through, uh, you know, sports science and things about how to exercise properly and then recover. I think I don't think a lot of people focus on recovery enough. And, and it's so hard, especially if you're a type A elite achiever, you just want to go and rack up the miles and recovery is so important. Um, and, and it's hard for me too, especially when I'm, I mean, especially doing all these different sports, I, I always want to do something. There's always something I want to get up and try a new class or a new route or a new kind of biking. Um, or a scooter or something. Uh, my husband got a mountain board and we're just dying to take it out a little bit more. Um, so it, it's, it's, it takes discipline to get those rest days in. Um, and I am a big fan of, of active recovery. So again, that Siberian Husky, he gets a walk every day. So that's something that you still want to move your body, uh, but you don't have to pound it. You can go take a walk. You can do a hike. Uh, you can do an easy bike ride. You can do some yoga. Foam, I love foam rolling. I love stretching. Um, but yes, and I think that uh, especially this last year and especially with our technology, that mental, uh, mental break an emotional break too, slowing everything down, like getting rid of that uh, fight or flight cortisol reaction, uh, psychosomatic uh, nervous system stimulation, like all of that is so important. And I love exercise science. I actually um, have, uh, I used to teach group fitness and got several certifications uh, in college. I did a lot of that. And so I, it's, it's kind of a hobby of, I've always studied it. I used to read a lot of magazines and books on it. I still do that. Of course, now we get more, more information online, but I, I love fitness trends. I love the psychology behind it. And I think there's so much to learn. 
Um, and there's so much that we've learned even in the last 20 years that it's a really fun kind of hobby to follow and participate in. And right now, wellness, overall wellness is, we're seeing that be one of the major trends. And finally, employers are starting to realize that it's not healthy to sit at a desk for nine hours a day. Uh, when I first started working after college, I that just about killed me. And I, you might say that some of my uh, traveling and ultra running were, were like a, a, an opposite reaction to like break free of the confines of like work as an adult. <laughs> oh, sure. I, th I think a lot of people discount how important even just standing outside and, and absorbing sunshine is. You know, you mentioned you know, going through two postpartums. I'm sure exercise was a big part of working through those. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I've got a, I've got a buddy that uh, his, his podcast is all about how being outdoors can improve mental well-being just overall. Mm -hmm. And that, that's such a, a critical part of being outside. It, it does. It just makes you feel better. It does. It really does. And I think that uh, especially over the last year, everybody's kind of realized that. And we like maybe collectively as a culture, are, we forgot because we got so obsessed with working and being on our computers in our offices and uh, with quarantine and COVID and everyone like starting to work from home and just having like a slower paced lifestyle. Everybody realized that, hey, we feel better when we go outside and we go for a walk. Um, and this is something that I think past generations knew. They didn't have to relearn because they were working on the farm or uh, they were outside playing with their kids a little bit more. So I think we have, uh, we've come a long way as a culture, but um, I like to be a little counterculture and kind of say like, maybe there's a different way to do that. Maybe we don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Maybe we can approach life a little bit differently and, and live a more fulfilling, more exciting, life that that connects us, connects us to nature and in turn uh, makes us feel better yeah especially when you look back at the older generations like uh, i like to talk about my grandpa a lot he grew up in the depression mm -hmm. um, they they were raised in a time where they they were outside all the time not because they wanted to be because out of necessity right uh, they raised gardens they raised their own animals they did all their chores like if they didn't do those things they didn't have food to eat they didn't have clothes to wear Life was physically harder back then, but they had more enjoyment in their lives than I think mm -hmm. we do today. We we don't have to struggle for anything. If I want groceries, if I want something to eat, I just hit a few buttons on my phone and I can go get it. You don't even have to leave the couch. <laughs> yeah, that my great my great grandma didn't even have electricity until the mid forties, and whenever I, they turned on her first light bulb, she just stood there and stared at it because she didn't understand how it worked. So, I. I studying history and I love hearing uh, the older generation stories because how it is now is not how it's always been and it's not how it's going to be and I think that we can learn a lot from the past. Do you think that this recent uh, uptick in people appreciating the outdoors is going to stick around or do you think after the days of COVID are done we're just going to slip right back into that? I sure hope it starts sticks around and if you need help getting it to stick around you should buy go far how endurance sports help you win at life yes 
we'll give you some tips on how to take the this sort of awakening that we've all been through this past year and integrate some of the some of these tactics into your own life so that you don't go back to being stuck at that desk all day um, and and feeling trapped. Uh, you can turn on the turn on the Zumba or go outside for a walk or a, a, a kiteboard. <laughs> That's one of the things that uh, we have a, a lake in Kansas that is uh, one of the best kiteboarding and windsurfing lakes. Uh, in the world. So that's kind of fun. That's kind of a fun little Kansan gym. Okay. So that adds to my four Kansas facts or th okay. interesting things that I know. I've driven through Kansas a few times and my experience driving through Kansas has not been enjoyable just because it's, there's not a whole lot there. Uh, the last time I enjoyed it a lot more because I was by myself. So I got to really look around and absorb everything, but it's still a long state to get through. Whew. And I have spent some time on those Kansas back roads doing, doing all that bike training for those triathlons. And let me tell you, it is a struggle, but you can find the beauty if you look. And one of my favorite things is the juxtaposition of a stormy gray thundercloud sky against that Kansas uh, golden green wheat coming up. And it is just absolutely beautiful. Uh, so there is beauty here and you just have to, you have to look and you have to find it. And that's kind of, kind of what the book is about too, is that it's easy. It's easy to find adventure when you live next to the ocean and the mountains and really fun stuff. But what if you live in Kansas? Well, you have to find those, those beach trails. You have to find those river trails and you have to, you have to look for it. And, uh, luckily, uh, the book can, can help teach you some ways to do that if, if you're not already doing that. And when is the book coming out? It comes out September 28th, but you can pre-order it on Amazon now or wherever you buy your books. If, if shop local for sure, just go into any any local bookstore and you can pre-order it uh, from, from a bookstore online at a local bookstore. And uh, if you don't have a local bookstore, then of course, Amazon or Target or Penguin Random House. Or Are you going any... to make an audio book? I hope so. I hope to make one. So. That'd be fun. I think it'd be kind of neat. Yeah. I think that that would be really good. I've gotten some requests for that so far because especially some of my mom friends, uh, you know, finding that time to read, but you, you still want to take in the inf information. So I think that audio books and podcasts have been a really great way uh, to, to learn things more like on the go or when you're cleaning or working outside or doing something else. So. Sure. And uh, you're on Instagram, right? Yes, I am on Instagram. It's Jen Strong McCon, and I'll be doing a lot of, um, I really try to uh, showcase some of the crazy sports and kind of crazy outdoor stuff that I do a lot on Instagram. And I'll be doing a lot of uh, book behind the scenes stuff on there as, as we go from now uh, until that launch. So it should be an exciting time. Uh, as, uh, and I have two kids too. So uh, trying to balance all of that, that is going to be crazy. So, but you'll get to literally see how, if you want to know how I'm doing it, I'm sh I'm sharing how I'm trying to be an adventure athlete and a mom and launch a book. <laughs> and do you have a YouTube channel by any chance? I don't have a YouTube channel, but I might I might get one soon. So I just haven't gotten there yet. So uh, I, I don't know videos. I'm a writer. I like words. I'm hard. It's video is hard, but it's on my list. So if you think I should do it, Zach, go I'll drop a hundred bucks on an action camera. And you'll be a YouTube sensation. Guarantee it. Okay. Okay. I just need a little push. <laughs> uh, is there any closing comments or anything you'd like to throw out there before we finish up for today? 
Well, I just want to say thank you so much for this opportunity. This has been really fun. Um, I'm excited to connect with people online. I'm excited to connect with other outdoors people. I love what you're doing and seeing kind of that hunting and fishing side. Um, I love the frontier and, and, and kind of like that aspect of like being, um, you know, being self-supportive and being able to like, how would I survive? And I got kind of into wild foraging last year during the pandemic and I couldn't leave my house. So, you know, all things outdoors, wilderness, that's great. That's just super fun. Well, I have to live my life vicariously through people like you because I'll never climb Kilimanjaro, but talking to someone that has uh, is, is very fulfilling for me. Those, those things are very interesting. Well, I appreciate you giving me a chance to talk about it. It's been so fun. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you got an open invitation. Anytime something happens, you want to come back, just let me know and we'll, we'll do another episode. Will do. Thank you so much, Zach. All right. Thanks, Jennifer. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Again, I'd like to thank Jennifer for coming on the podcast. It was great talking to her, and I really admire people with that kind of tenacity and willpower to actually push their bodies and their minds to complete such difficult tasks. I'm also jealous that she's writing a book, something I'd love to do, but we'll see. If you want to follow us on Facebook, hop over to 12 Hike. You can follow us on Instagram, 12 Hike Challenge. We're on YouTube. And if you want to get a sweet hat or a t-shirt, just go to 12hikemerch.com. And then, like I said, pay attention for the month of June because I'm going to be tying up some flies, doing a fly box giveaway, maybe a hat and a shirt. So uh, look forward to hearing from everybody.